look who's coming up. Welcome to another edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Thank you so much for tuning in to the program today. My name is Dean Millard, and as usual, uh, we have an absolutely wild uh, weekend to uh, take a look back at. Uh, obviously, a lot of um, criticism um, from Thursday night, and then a lot more injuries on the weekend. Just a, a wild situation um, with what happened with uh, Tua and the Miami Dolphins. And we'll give you an injury update a little bit later on uh, about all of what happened on uh, Sunday in the National Football League. But uh, we have a really fun show today. We're going to try to get all over the map uh, when it comes to fantasy sports and uh, the information that you need uh, to win your fantasy league. We're going to chat with Kyle Hall of the Broadway Hat Podcast, and UFHL owners will recognize that name because uh, he was hosting UFHL now uh, for quite a while while I was head of baseball. So Kyle's going to drop by, and we'll kind of find out where the New York area teams rank, one, two, three, and also he's going to reveal his power rankings for the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. So UFHL owners, you will want to be tuning in for that because there are some Interesting uh, teams slotted into some interesting spots. Jamie Thomas of Winnipeg Jets Radio and executive director of our Twitch channel drops by every Monday to discuss three things he learned about the NFL. Uh, We're going to ask him about two Major League Baseball playoff matchups he wants to see and one college football team that has dropped the ball this season. And to trust or not, new segment we will unveil a little bit later on where we're going to ask you, do you trust these players in fantasy? One of them is going to be a little bit different, but for the most part, do you trust or not when it comes to fantasy? So we'll have all of that. Uh, We might, uh, I don't think we're going to actually be able to sneak in fantasy Thunderdome. We weren't able to get it finished up, but uh, we'll have a Dauber hockey preview double shot of the Islanders and Rangers, which is perfect timing to have Kyle on the program. So uh, let's get into it with our question of the day, like we do every time on the program. And the question of the day today is what is the best lineup decision you have made this year? What is the best decision through four weeks of the season that you have made in fantasy football. Mine just happened over the weekend, and it was uh, taking Javante Williams out of my lineup and putting Josh Jacobs in the lineup. And what happened? Williams is out. We'll tell you all the details about it, but he was injured in that game. And Josh Jacobs, we told you last week that he had been a massive disappointment for getting into the end zone up until this point of the season. But we also said, do not bail on this guy. Do not sell low on Josh Jacobs because he was the only guy carrying the ball pretty much for the Raiders. And what happens? He exploded. He exploded over the weekend and scored two touchdowns, 140 plus yards. So that was a brilliant lineup decision by me because one guy got hurt. Not that you could predict it. Uh, but even still, Javante Williams of Denver wasn't doing anything. So that was 
the best lineup decision that I have made this year. Would love to hear your lineup decisions. What is the best lineup decision that you have made this year? Was it benching Brady against the Saints? That was pretty smart, actually, if you did that. Andy Mack joining in the conversation. Him and I were talking about it last week. We were telling you about the players to get into your lineup. And one of the guys was Josh Jacobs. And Andy says, best lineup decision was starting Jamal Williams and Damian Pierce yesterday. Well, you're not losing with those two guys yesterday. So there you go. What is the best lineup decision you have made this year in fantasy football? Chime in on the Twitch message board, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Duck Millard. You can also get me at, or get us at UFS Network on Twitter. So we'll keep uh, diving back into that throughout the show. What are your top three Calder candidates for the NHL? That is what we are asking when it comes to our top three today. Top three Calder candidates in the National Hockey League. Uh, William Eklund is number one for me of the San Jose Sharks. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunity. Uh, the, the biggest, the sexy pick was Owen Power. Everybody's picking Owen Power. When everybody is picking the same guy uh, for things like rookie of the year, I get nervous. And I think, ah, there's got to be something at somebody else. So Kent Johnson is the other guy that I think, you know, Mason McTavish, Obviously another guy, but Kent Johnson coming off the golden goal. I think he's going to challenge uh, in Columbus. Going to get softer matchups than maybe a Mason McTavish might get in Anaheim. So well, that's provided they, they all make the team. And I think Eklund is uh, the number one contender for me to win the Calder Trophy in the NHL. I think he's a guy that you should be looking at in uh, your drafts. When it comes to picking rookies, like I don't think you're going to go wrong with either of these three guys. I think Eklund and Power have the most chance to play more games than, than Kent Johnson. I think if one of these three guys isn't going to play, it's Kent Johnson. I think the other two guys are locks to play a full season, barring injuries. So that's what I'm going with. Eklund, Power, Johnson. Sounds like a law firm. Uh, that's my picks uh, to win the Calder Trophy this year. Who are you going with? Who do you like to win the Calder Trophy this season? Just going to pan up the camera a little bit. There we go. Uh, who do you like this season in the National Hockey League when it comes to the Calder? As I said, Owen Power, everybody loves this guy in Buffalo. He's going to get a ton of ice time. I think William Eklund could end up being the leading scorer, and that's usually what happens as the Calder Trophy goes to that. So chime in, if you will, as mentioned on uh, Twitch. You can chime in on the message board, or you can also hit me up on Twitter, at Duck Millard. And you can also reach us at UFS Network on Twitter as well. Uh, we will uh, get out. And, and remember... At any point on social media, use the hashtag AskAndy. Andy McNamara, like the bat signal, will find you and answer your questions for your fantasy football needs. He will have what you need. Okay, so uh, the big story tonight, um, I think, in, in the world of sports is 
the National Football League Monday Nighter. And by the way, if you do want to make a bet on the Monday Night game, head to at Duck Millard on Twitter. Click the link in my bio, and you will get a 125% bonus when you use that link at BetUS. So head to at Duck Millard on Twitter. Click the link in my bio. Get your 125% bonus and lay something down. Here are some prop bets you might be looking at tonight in the National Football League and whether or not I think that you will succeed. Jimmy Garoppolo, 221.5 passing yards. I think he covers that. Jimmy Garoppolo has never lost to the Rams. So I'm, I'm saying cover that, and everybody counts Jimmy G out. I said it weeks ago with Andy McNamara on week one that Jimmy G was going to have a big moment. It's already happened. So I think he covers that. Cooper Cup, 94 and a half receiving yards. I, I've seen places saying he's not going to cover. I think he covers. I know there's quarterback issues, but he covers. Jeff Wilson Jr., 55 and a half rushing yards. Yeah. I... If I was starting Raheem Mostart because of my fantasy, I would be not liking that. Tyler Higby, I don't think he covers 41 and a half receiving yards. And then the the Cam Akers double shot, 41 and a half rushing yards and six and a half yards receiving. I think he covers both of those. So there you go. Some prop bets to make. If you want to go and make a bet, head to BetUS. Use the link in my bio and get 125% bonus when you make your deposit. So what do you think of these prop bets uh, for Monday Night Football? What do you think of the game uh, tonight uh, for Monday Night Football? Who do you need to come through tonight in fantasy and get it done for you? The 49ers and the Rams obviously uh, creating a a pretty interesting NFC West rivalry. Especially since uh, McVay and Shanahan uh, ended up on the sidelines. Rams 2-1, 49ers 1-2. And as I mentioned, uh, the 49ers have uh, won the head-to-head matchups lately because of uh, Jimmy G. It's interesting. I was watching Garoppolo, and he said his arm got so tired in his first start. And so after Trey Lance went down, he was thrown in, and he hadn't got the reps in in preseason that he needed. So I think Jimmy G is going to be much better tonight. The, the question about the Rams is, what are they doing with the running game? Less than three and a half yards per carry with the NFL's third lowest rushing average at just 72.3 yards per game. Like, is this another instance of an NFL coach outthinking himself in Sean McVay? This is the lowest he's ever had it in his six seasons as a head coach. I, I don't know. I, I, I really wonder if there are coaches out there that are like, everybody's expecting this to happen, so we're just going to go away from the running game, even though that is what helped us. Yeah, listen, I know they have Cooper Cup, but come on. Cam Akers is in the witness protection program right now. 
Even Darrell Henderson is struggling, and he got off to a good start. Now, there, there are ways they got the running game. If you saw Cooper Cup with the jet sweep, things like that. But, man, fantasy owners are like, just, just throw us a bone, dude. Throw, throw the running back the ball, or give the running back the ball, and by throw us a bone. And and the other side, there's the passing game. And despite this, they're two and one, where Allen Robinson hasn't really got on track, uh, like everybody expected. Everybody was saying, this guy just needs a quarterback. Well, he's got a quarterback, and Cooper Cup has been the man carrying the uh, offensive load again. But even him, just 51 yards per game in seven meetings with the 49ers. So, he did, that's the regular season. He did have that uh, pretty amazing conference title game where he had a couple of touchdowns. Um, so, they, it, uh, it's going to be interesting. I can see San Francisco winning this game tonight. I can see this is a game like last week where the San Francisco wins, but there's not a lot of fantasy production, and the Rams lose, and there is fantasy production. Andy Mack says he's going under for Jimmy G. He thinks Jimmy G is going to have less than 221 and a half passing yards. Cop covers, Wilson covers, under for Higby, under for Akers for rushing and covers for receiving. Uh, see, I think this is the game, Andy, where they are going to feed Cam Akers. Like, I, enough screwing around here. Like, well, what's going on? Give him the ball. Give him the darn ball. I just think this is the game. I think this is the game. I, I don't want to swear. What are we? Werewolves, not swills. So there's a lot of prop bets for you tonight. Uh, as for taking a look back at uh, the week that was, uh, man, it was a, a tough one injury-wise. Uh, Javante Williams, as I mentioned earlier, ACL injury out for the season. Things are not going well in Denver at all. Like, remember the movie Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead? How about Things to Do in Denver When You're Injured? How about Things to Do in Denver When You're Struggling? How about Things to Do in Denver When Your Coach Might Not Make It Through the Season? So Williams is out. Tough break. A lot of people were really excited about his potential. And now, what? like, what do you do if... Well, I would stay away from everybody in Denver from the running backs because Melvin Gordon can't hold on to the ball. I don't know what's going to happen. So with no Williams... Don't I would not be looking at Denver. If this changes, obviously, then you're gonna if Melvin Gordon to learn to hang on the ball and stuff, that's fine. Uh Jonathan Taylor. Very concerning ankle injury, but the good news he might play on Thursday. That was the report today. Obviously, keep your your uh your Jonathan Taylor watch going uh for this one for sure. Tua Taglo of a the, Easy for me to say. So Tua's in the concussion protocol. He is not playing Thursday. We know how bad that looked. There's not a chance that they were going to let him play. He's, he's not going to be back. Uh, Traylon Burks, turf toe, is going to miss some time, but not surgery. So that's the, the good thing for Traylon Burks owners. And Daniel Jones, strange situation with him. Foot and ankle injury, but Tyrod Taylor got hurt, so he had to come back in. Well, they had Saquon Barkley in the Wildcat format. That was crazy. What's going on with the Giants? It's a bizarro world, as to use a Seinfeld reference. And Justice Hill has a hamstring injury for the Ravens. Uh, the running back is day-to-day. So 
those are the situations uh, that you need to be watching coming up this week uh, for your injury uh, situations and everything else. Now, what did I say last week? I said, do not, do not get rid of Josh Jacobs. We had Andy McNamara on. We did ask Andy. We told you, this is a guy who is carrying the ball all the time for the Raiders. And you had to be patient. It was disappointing. He was disappointing up until that point because he was not getting into the end zone. That changed in a big way yesterday. Dynamite! JJ was dynamite yesterday. Look at those totals in week one to three. Those are definitely not, those, I don't even know, are these are those even running back two numbers? No. The numbers in week four are running back one numbers, 144 yards and two touchdowns. And the, the amazing thing was he was breaking tackles again, which had not happened this year to, the, from what I had seen. So Jacobs yesterday was... You know, it was a team that you saw them develop more and more as the year went on. You have Igor Shosurkin in net. You can do a lot of stuff. So uh, I think looking at the roster and looking at what happened this offseason, the Islanders really made no moves. Like, there's nothing that you can say the Islanders did that improved that hockey team from where they were last year, and they weren't a playoff team last year. And, you know, they had a lot of injuries, and, you know, maybe you can say getting guys back from injuries is a plus, but, uh, I mean, they really had nothing. I think both those teams were in the Johnny Hockey uh, sweepstakes. I think both of them put a lot into that. And uh, But the Devils came out with Palat, which I thought was a huge pickup for them. Uh, a guy that can play both zones, has Stanley Cup experience, you know, can come into that locker room that has a ton of young players, like Jack Hughes, who I think is just ready for stardom. Uh, if they get any type of goaltending, and I think they shirt up some of those issues. You know, they had, I think, I think the Devils had eight different goalies last year. <laughs> uh, so between Blackwood being healthy this year and bringing in uh, Vidic Vanek there in the net, I, I think that was their major issue. And you look at the blue line, I mean, Dougie Hamilton, hopefully for them, isn't injured for most of the year. Obviously, he was a huge signing um, two years ago. I think PK is probably, you know, the one big guy who left. And you can actually say maybe that's mm -hmm. maybe an addition by subtraction for some Devils fans. But, uh, you know, Jesper Brat is a very good player, really underrated player. Um, I, I like the Devils team overall. I hate to say it. I think they're a good young team. Uh, and when I look at the Islanders, I see guys like Zach Parisi, who they're hoping are, is going to play top six minutes. It doesn't really appeal to me. So I would go Rangers, Devils, Islanders, if you had the power rank to three of them. but. I think, I hope there's a pretty vast difference between the one and the two and three teams. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by, by what the Islanders didn't do this year. I mean, obviously, like you mm -hmm. mentioned, they, they maybe thought they were getting Johnny Gaudreau and then there'd be something after that. But, you know, from even from like the Bodie Wild situation where the NHL's like, yeah, this guy can come back and, lose like no I don't know I, so the the Islanders perplex me uh, a lot um, it's like they even the firing of Lou the yeah. firing of Lou started off I was like why are they yeah you know what are they doing you know not firing of Lou firing of um of Trot I was like Trot, Lou firing yeah. of Trot I was like what what's going on there so 
And there was never a reason given for that. And they, they keep on harping on, oh, they were injured, like this team is set to go. If you thought it was just injuries and this team is set to go, then why would you fire the head coach? That's yeah. my whole thought process behind it. And you bring in a guy who has – you know, basically coached under him for so long. It's the same, strat, you know, same system, same everything. So very weird, very odd. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. Um, watching from afar, I thought certainly that they were going to make uh, a few moves. And when they didn't, I was like, okay, well, that's that's <laughs> their prerogative, I guess. But it's it's bizarre. Okay, so let's talk about this Ranger team. And, and you brought up a guy that... I think is is going to get overlooked. And for fantasy poolies, Igor Shosturkin, I think, is a steal. I, I still think people don't realize how good this guy is going to be. And I think he's like top two, top three goalies in the league. And I don't think he gets enough credit. Yeah, I think when you know, I look at my own fantasy league, like people, he's kind of falling to that late second to almost a third round pick now, which is kind of wow. crazy when you look at his numbers and everything. Uh, obviously, Vasilevsky, you can say, is still a top dog. Um you know, you think he's, like, older, but he's not. He's, like, what, 28, 29? So yeah. it's, like, he's been around forever. He's been so good for the last, you know, eight years. Uh, but when you look at Igor, you get a, you know, playing in a division where I think he, he – there's not – like, when you play the Islanders, like, not too many goal scorers there. Yeah, I think you know, a lot of those teams, like, he's not going to let more than three goals a game. If that – you see the goals allowed was 2.10 last year. Um, you know, his save percentage is ridiculous. He faces a lot of shots. I just think this Rangers defense is very improved from last season. You could say, you know, it's the same guys, but you have Brain Schneider who came in halfway through the year last year, was a rookie, played very well for them down the stretch, played very well in the, in the playoffs. He now has that whole new experience of that year under his belt. The guy on the Rangers who I think is going to make the biggest jump this year is Keandre Miller. Mm. He is going to turn into a superstar. Buy your Keandre Miller stock now because, and I've been harping on it for the Rangers, to re-sign him now because he is going – his cost is going to go up more and more every day. This guy looks phenomenal in the preseason. He was their best defenseman, including Adam Fox, last year in the playoffs at some points. Obviously, they have Adam Fox back, who's just a point machine, unbelievable, will run the power play for them again this year. Brian Bensman, Jacob Truba, other than just making every single fan base hate him with his hits <laughs> – Obviously, turning to turn into the best season as a Ranger was named captain this year. I think that's going to do great for his confidence. But I think Keandre Miller and Brain Schneider make that defense so good. And then Zach Jones should be the guy in the sixth spot. Um, Lieber Hayek is the other guy who's kind of going at it with him. Hayek's been in the organization for a few years now. He was in the Ryan McDonough trade. He's the last piece the McDonough trade still active hmm. in the Rangers organization. If you could believe that. Ryan McDonough and JT Miller tree, which Ranger fans just shake their head at now. But Hayek's the last guy from that. They're kind of holding on to him for dear life, trying to get his game going. But I think it's going to be Zach Jones. Basically, is Adam Fox light. Five foot ten guy, plays extremely well on the power play. Very good offensive player, had a very good college career at UMass. I just think this, I think that when you look at the Rangers overall, the Adro check up front, who I think is an upgrade over Ryan Strom. You know, they're really missing maybe that first-line guy. And Lafreniere looks like he might be the guy up front, but they might keep the kid lines together of Hedl and Kako and Lafreniere, which kind of was like the big thing during the playoffs where everyone loved that line. They were kind of the energy line for the Rangers. So they're going to be looking at a guy like you have Sammy Blay on your team. He's a guy who's going to get maybe a first, the first look at that first line. Returning from a knee injury last year, had some offensive output, 
with uh, St. Louis, but a guy who really needs to prove himself. Barkley Goodrow could see some time there, had a solid first season for the Rangers. And, you know, they're going to kind of rotate those guys and then maybe play some of the kids up top. But mm-hmm. they really want to keep Vitaly Kratsov on that second line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent and uh, Trocek. But Kratsov, again, has not proved himself in the NHL level yet. This is his third stint with the Rangers, gone back and forth to Russia. So this is it. This is his last chance. This is their last hurrah trying to make that marriage work. And who knows what happens there. So there are some question marks for the Rangers up front. And really, after you know Zabanja, Kreider, and Panarin, and Trocek, those big four, where is the rest of your scoring coming from? And it's got to be those kids. And, you know, between the four of them, I think Lafreniere is the one guy who's going to step up this year, had a great playoff. Heel had a good playoff too, but Lafreniere looks bigger and faster than last season right in the preseason. I can see him scoring 25 to 30 goals this season. If he gets some top from Kreider, he's saying that, you know, him and Kreider are working after practice. He's working on, you know, more dirty goals up front. And I think the thing with Lafreniere is that a lot of people kind of wanted him to be Sidney Crosby immediately became the mm-hmm. NHL. Yeah. You know, he comes from the same province. He kind of has that, you know, he was the 1-1 pick for years and years. And then he kind of came in during COVID, kind of thrown right into the fire as an 18-year-old, didn't have a great rookie season, and everyone kind of wrote him off. You know, he's 20 years old now. He's put on something like 15 pounds since his rookie season. He's gotten faster. He's gotten stronger. And he kind of played with that kind of snarly edge to him in the playoffs. And I think that really speaks to Gerard Gallant because Gallant kind of preached that a little bit with him. And that's how Gallant played as a player as well. And I kind of, and Gallant kind of said he saw a little bit of himself in Lafreniere, which I think would be huge for the Rangers. If he can kind of get a little bit of a nasty side to him, kind of crash the net a little bit. Um, you know, we play with a guy with Philip Hedo who's more of a skilled player. If Lafreniere can go to the corners and get the puck out and get it going for Hedo and Kako, I think that's huge. But uh, I think he's the guy to watch up front to have the breakout. And then Kratzoff's is kind of like the, you know, who, who knows what's gonna he's gonna be if he if he can score fifteen to twenty goals, uh, you know, that's a huge plus for the Rangers. If not, you gotta look at the trade deadline and see what they can bring in. Like last year, Chris Drury hit every single trade right on the nose of who he brought in mm-hmm. to kind of help the team out. A lot of those guys are now all those guys are gone now. Uh, so we'll see. Obviously, the name Patrick Kane is continue to float around New York. They don't have the cap space for him right now. Come trade deadline time, if he's not dealt to Edmonton or somewhere else before then, uh, the Rangers could be in play there for him if that top line forward is not working out. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. The Rangers have 17 forwards still in camp. You know, I think they're only going to keep 13 of them, so it's going to be a major decision of, uh, you know, who sticks around and who doesn't. Guys like Ryan Reeves could be on the, blo- you know, could be on the chopping right. block there. Uh, Julian Gauthier, former first-round pick of the Canes, who they acquired a couple years ago, guy who just hasn't really gotten it going yet. He could be a guy who could possibly be moved out. Uh, you know, Ryan Carpenter was just brought in. He's a guy who's a, a major question mark. If he's going to make this team, first two playoffs, first two preseason games, uh, he's had some big-time turnovers. And then Jimmy Vesey's back from the dead. Uh, you know, former you know, the Jimmy Vesey sweepstakes the Rangers one years ago. He's back after playing for the Devils last year, and he's been – probably their one of their best forwards is preseason so far. So uh, he's a guy who's making it very hard on the Rangers to, to make the choice if they're going to keep him or a guy like Dryden Hunt who had a, an okay year last year in his first year with the Rangers. Uh, so it's very interesting there. And obviously on defense, like I said, it's probably be Zach Jones or Libor Hayek as their sixth and seventh defenseman. And in net, you have Igor, but Yaroslav Halak comes in for Alexander Gorgiev who got shipped out to Denver because the Rangers couldn't afford him anymore. 
And, uh, you know, I honestly think it might be an upgrade for the Rangers because Gorgiev, as good as he was when he started, wasn't a great backup, wasn't good in spot starts. And uh, Halak got some experience out last year out in, uh, out in Vancouver backing up uh, Demko, who obviously got super hot at the end of the year. Uh, so Halak looked for uh, another place to go. Ended up with the Rangers, and he's a Rangers killer. I mean, every time they played him with the Islanders, he would beat them. So his record on, like, at MSG is ridiculous. So let's hope he does some good in the blue jersey this time. You know, I you don't realize when when you see when you hear some of the Rangers and, and even last year with like a guy like Ryan Strom, but you don't realize how many young players they still have. Like it's been an impressive retool on the fly with you know bringing in Panarin uh, for agency and then bringing these kids along. The thing I look at is yeah, you mentioned Lafreniere is probably going to get the first look. You got Capco, you got uh, Cheadle, you got uh, Dryden Hunt as you mentioned. Not all of these guys are going to hit on all the time. So it's going to maybe be a bit of a revolving door. And I wonder if some of these guys who maybe haven't taken that step forward get dealt at the trade deadline to bring somebody in, um, whoever maybe hasn't taken that big step but still has some of that potential. I wonder if a guy like Capo Caco is a candidate for that near the trade deadline. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought Niels Lundqvist was going to be that guy before mm-hmm. he – decided he didn't want to come to training camp and, and wanted to go somewhere else. I thought he was going to be the guy that could possibly move for a top six forward up front. You know, they got a first-round pick out of him and a, a very good draft coming up this next season. Um, as you know, with all your scouting shows and everything else you do there, yeah. it's a very good 2023 draft. Uh, so Rangers now own two first-round picks. Uh, that You know, that's a huge currency right now for next year. Now, I think the only problem for the Rangers is not the picks or the – depth of the team it's going to be the salary cap and and I think a guy like Ryan Reeves who I think is making 1.75 right now for this season he could be the odd man out just based off of cap space and if they get rid of Reeves, if Reeves somehow does not make it which is it would be crazy I think because of the leadership that he provided last year and how highly the team talks about him and everything else um, it would be very tough to see if they do release him or what they what they end up doing with him. I believe he will be making he'll make the team. But by if you do release him, they'll have about two million in cap going into the season. By the time you get to the trade deadline when you cure all that cap space that you'll be close to around four or five million dollars in cap space, which then can you turn into a Patrick Kane or a big time scorer, whoever, whatever team falls off the map by then. Um, so that could be a guy to play around with if he could possibly be in a deal. And then the other guy to watch, I think, I know he's got a long-term deal. Barkley Goodrow could be a guy even this offseason that the Rangers could look at because they have to re-sign Keandre Miller and Lafreniere. They're all coming up on their deals coming up. So, you know, a guy like Ryan Lindgren, who I think Ranger fans have fallen in love with, he could be a guy. Barkley Goodrow could be a guy. They're going to have to get rid of at least one of these young, quote-unquote, veterans that they're going to have to make space for someone. So it's going to be interesting to see as much as the window for the Rangers is wide open right now. It's also very tight based off of the salary cap. The next two years being stagnant, they got to get to 2025. They got to get to that $5 million increase. And then you can kind of, the Panarin contract is really big, which is, I think the issue. And then they gave the big deal to Truba, which I think looking back on it, if they knew what Keontre Miller was going to turn into, maybe they wouldn't have done that deal, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to move one of these veterans out because the cap is slowly, slowly closing in on them. And all these young talent, all these young kids got to get paid eventually. And, uh, and unfortunately, you got to win with these guys on entry-level deals. So yeah. you got to do the next two years. 
Yeah, entry-level deals are all the rage. Uh, Kyle Hall is joining <laughs> us. He is the host of the Broadway Hat Podcast. I love when I have other uh, podcasters on the show because the sound is so good and your, your sound is incredible. Uh, but the, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because you helped out uh, the UFHL quite a lot, uh, especially when I was doing uh, head of baseball, and you chipped in this year with your power rankings. And I love seeing power rankings because there are some people that get really wild. Like, I'm looking at where you have us, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty much fine. I'm good with that. <laughs> I, what I want is to under-promise and over-deliver as, as a GM. So I like being 25 because that gives us lots of room to grow, but... Tell me how you settled on Red Army at number one. I'm not saying I disagree with you with, with your choice, but how'd you settle on them as number one and Titans two and, and Gators? Go through the list. You know, it's funny. When I was doing your team last year, I was looking at my rankings from last year, and I was like, I had you last last year. And, yeah, so did I. Uh, I was like, yeah. And, yeah, you know, you know I, we talked before I even did it, so I had some inside information on what, you're, you know, what was going on there, and I was like, all right, I think they might be last. And then uh, that came to fruition. But then – you kind of, you know, I've watched your team build and build, and I'm like, you know what? They're they're putting together a very good team here, slowly but surely. I think I like your goaltending. I like some of the moves up front, so I you had to get bumped up in the rankings. Uh, but yeah, I love Red Army's team. I, I, I talked about Igor Shosturkin. I think Vasilevsky and him are the one-two punch there in goal. I, I just I love that team. I think they're loaded on the top nine. I think they have a really good top four. Uh, I'm just I'm a big fan of of that roster, and I was waiting for them last year. I, I was just waiting for them to break out last year. It was the one team that I kept on coming back to every week. How they doing? Where they going? Because you got Kaprasov, Hughes, and Kyle Connor up front. I mean, mm-hmm. they can score 45 to 50 goals each of those guys. You yeah. know, I, that's and then I you know I'm on board with Lafreniere having a big year. Zegers, you know, I know he got a little banged up in the preseason. I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, you know, scary. I think he's a kid. Yeah, he's a kid who's gonna be. Break out of, you know, obviously the NHL is trying to make him the face of the league right now. Like they're trying their hardest to do that, which is great, especially because he's a West Coast, you know, on the West Coast, grow the game, blah, blah. That's great. Lucas Raymond, I like him a lot too. All those guys can be 30 goal scorers. And that's that's your second line. So, and then you got Nyquist and then Matty Buneers, who I think is going to play a ton out in Seattle, or he looks good in the preseason. Um, and Lincoln is another, I, I just love their top nine and Max Domi, mm-hmm. I think for a team in Chicago, which could fall apart very quickly. He could see some big time minutes this year, um, or build up some stock and get traded to a contender at the end. Um, so I just like Domi there in the fourth line and yeah, Quinn Hughes, I, I think he's in, you know, obviously the second half, the, Quinn, the Hughes brothers there, um, I think he's such a good player. You know, Bynum's a good player. Drysdale's good. Cam Fowler's been solid for years. And Shesterkin and Net. I mean, it's a very well-built team. Uh, the Titans, I, I like their top 12. I like, you know, I like their whole forward unit. Um, you know, they, they traded Vasilevsky, and you're like, when I, I saw the trade come out, I was like, what are they doing? And you're looking <laughs> like an Ottinger there. So I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot that Ottinger. So, and I think he's going to be, po- I mean, he's a guy who I watched. I covered the World Juniors. Uh, not world the um, IH at the World Championships two years ago, and he was uh, the Team USA goaltender. And it was the first time I really watched him because he was more in a backup role in Dallas. He was actually playing the uh, American Hockey League most of the year, and I was watching him, and I was like, "This guy is going to be phenomenal." And it led Team USA they almost almost got to the gold medal game. They lost in the semis. They won the bronze, and I was watching, and I was like, "This guy is going to be." Re-. And I talked to a couple guys that played with him. 
And they're like, he is, he's the next level. So I was like, he's a guy who I, you know, I wish you can buy stock in players. Like, cause he's a guy who I like knew about early. And I was like, just watch it. I would tell everyone, just watch this guy. He's going to be so good. He's going to be so good. And sure enough, he proved me right in the playoffs last year being just an unbelievable playoff. So I like the Titans. Gators, I think I've been on high on them forever. I, I, I like their team. Like, uh, I don't know. Anytime you got McKinnon, uh, you have a chance to win. So, um, you know, McKinnon, JT Miller, and Claude Drew. And I think Drew's going to have a really good season back in Ottawa. Um, you know, I like their decor. And Markstrom had a phenomenal year last year. When we were doing the UFHL Now show every week, I yeah. felt like we were making him, you know, the goaltender of the week. You know, I think he wanted the most of any other goalie. So, uh, as good as Vasilevsky and Igor were last year, obviously Igor had one of the best goaltending seasons ever, you know, when you look at the stats. But Markstrom, he would put these weeks together where it was like, you know, three games, two shutouts, and a six, seven, you know, goals allowed. And it's like, okay, he might have a four-goal game. You know, he played Edmonton, he up seven. But, like, yeah. you know, the rest of the games, he was phenomenal. So, I think, you know, they're really good. And then, you know, Dynasty, I think they're a very well-put-together team. Another team who I think was a little bit of a disappointment last year. I'm um, looking for them to bounce back this year. And the Royals – you know, they've, they've been really good. Um, you know, they have a great team. And I kind of wanted to uh, make sure they're in my top five because uh, of the success they've had. And, uh, you know, they have, a, again, a really good top six that can score at will. And then look at the rest of my top. The one team that's tough to keep up with is Bentley Jackson. They make a trade yeah, every other day. I know. So, I mean, that was, you know, again, putting the show together, it was like, who made trades this week? I was on the Bentley Jacks roster and seeing who's changed. So... Uh, you know, Bentley Jacks, I, I think they, they'll continue to move and shake during the season, so who knows what they'll turn into. But I like the Grizzlies. I like Can West. I like the guys who own Can West, so I like to put them in the top ten. Uh, Ice Vikings, very good team, came on late last year. I thought they were could have won the playoffs. I, was, I thought they were my one team to watch there. One team I have to say I misranked, and I got to apologize, is Outlaws. They were oh. a team who I had I had at 18 originally, and I somehow I, they got moved down my final ranking. But I like the Outlaws team, and I have to shout them out. I like them. I underranked you. I was looking at it again this morning, and I was like, crap. I had them up at 18, and they somehow moved down. I don't know how I did it. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of moving parts to this thing when you start building it out. But I have to say the Outlaws, I do like their roster. I think they have... Um, you know, obviously they were going back and, you know, back and forth with Bentley Jackson one last year to get into the playoffs. I like their team. They got Panarin, obviously. I think he's got a better year this year than last year. When you think about it, how crazy, you know, people say he had Panarin had a down year last year. Guy still had 90 <laughs> points. He yeah, wasn't scoring goals. You know, so he just wasn't scoring goals, but he was getting assists. on. He's getting three or four assists a game sometimes for a week. So I think he's going to have a better scoring year this year, Panarin. He's already said he's going to shoot more this year. He said he's going to quote unquote do more dumb stuff on the blue line. He's not so you know. I think he he kind of played a little bit reserved towards the end of the season. So when he gets back into doing his crazy stuff, that's when he's at his best. But I like Outlaws. Um, yeah, there's some teams that and I could call them out, but you look at the moves they made this off season. You're like, well, I don't know if I would have done that move. But uh, you know, there's some teams there you can probably tell from some of the rankings there on the bottom of teams I wasn't a big fan of, but. Uh, yeah, I think team like the Brutes. I think the Brutes had uh, a, a good close to the season last year. I think they're going to be a solid team. Yeti, same thing. I like the Godfathers. I like some of the moves they made, mm-hmm. uh, not only in season last year, but some of the you know the roster in general. Uh, West Coast Express, 
you know, I think they're a team that can probably move up a little more too. I think when I was looking at the rankings, I thought they were going to be kind of like in that, you know, 12 to 16, 17 range. So I think they're a team that can move up a little bit. Uh, Rock Republic, another team who, you know, I, for some reason, I don't really love their roster, but they, they deliver. So, you know, that's a team who I'm sure will outperform where I rank them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like my top 10. To be honest with you, I like the top three. I really like those teams. The Royals, I think, again, could be right there again. But I love Red Army. I think Titans are really solid. Gators are solid. Um, but, yeah, when you look at the, the whole league in general, I honestly – I think there's 20 teams that you can see right now. Like, if, I, if they show me that roster, like, yeah, that's a team that can make a playoff run, like that, mm-hmm. which is great. I think that's great. So – you know, there's some teams that I, I fall in love with and there's some teams that I kind of like, ugh, you know, I, I just don't like this guy in general and that's like a top line player and I just move on from them. So, that's right. <laughs> you know, so it, it's funny. It, it, but it's tough critiquing because, you know, there's so much time and effort. And that's something I really learned with this league is there's so much time and effort put in by all these managers and all these GMs and owners. And it's crazy. And I, that's what I really enjoyed when I was doing the show, talking to people and having them on the show. It, you know, the, the, this is your baby. Like you know, and that like to rank someone's kid, I guess tough. Yeah. Uh, so you know that's tough. And then, like like you said, like someone like will read this, and I like I like a lot of these owners. Like I become friendly with a lot of these owners, so it's very tough. Like I love the North Star guys. Like for me to rank them twenty seven, it hurt. Yeah, they I were really like like they made trades every. They were they took over from the Bentley Jacks with the amount of trades they made. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I really like those guys. So like. You know, I had them closer to the bottom last year, so I'm like, I'm putting them up, you know, like kind of like you know, like, I'm, like, I'm putting them up a little higher. Uh, so I like those guys. They're very nice there. So they've always been good to me. So I, I was like, ah, I kind of try to put them up, but I don't know when to put them too high. So it, it's tough. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, the league, I think, is a lot of parity. There are some very good teams up top. But I think making like, – last year was a great battle for the playoffs. Every week mm-hmm. we are changing up the standings and everything else. So I think it's going to come down to that again this year. And then playoffs were great too some surprise teams in there making runs. So that's what it's all about. It's great. It is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, like you said, to try and get your head around all 32 teams and rank them, but Hey, that's the beautiful thing about rankings is somebody's going to be happy <laughs> and somebody's uh, going to be upset. So that's, it, it's the way it is. And it's the life of a ranker, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's like, when you look at this stuff, it's like the, the one thing I learned last year it's about man minutes, right? Like if you right. if you stay healthy and you got play, guys going, you look at the rankings of where teams finished and total you know total t- games played and everything. If you were in the top five, you made the play. You know, top ten all made the playoffs. Yep. So if your team could stay healthy, that's what it's all about. And uh, you know, it's about the management and, and um, you know roster management is so important and getting those guys in the ice. So that's what's tough because like you know it, you know Duckman's team stays healthy the whole year and they have man minutes out there. They're a playoff team. You know, and and I have you at twenty fifth, which is tough. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think we're gonna be knocking on the door. I don't know if this will be our year, but we're gonna try to contend and then certainly in the in the next couple of years. But it'll be fun to uh, follow it. It'll be fun to follow the Rangers in that New York area and we'll definitely reach out again and get you back on the show. Thanks so much. Tell people where uh, they can find uh, all of uh, all of your work and, and all of your projects. Yeah, so you can find my personal account at K Hall and Y on Twitter. 
Um, you know, for all New York Ranger updates, you know, I, I'll throw shots in there. It's in the UFH, UFHL guys here and there as well. So keep up with that. You can find me on Belly Up Sports, bellyupsports.com. And then my podcast, the Broadway Hat Podcast, you can find that on Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod. And uh, we have episode number 100 coming out actually wow. tomorrow, Dean. Congrats. Yeah, big doing. So episode 100, we have should be Hall of Famer Steve Larmer ah, on the show tomorrow. So, there you go. Uh, Gramps is on the show. Great stories from him. A uh, Blackhawks legend, 1994 Stanley Cup champion of the New York Rangers. So, uh, very good show. We had Matthew Barnaby on last week, who is just a ball of energy and electric. So, uh, last two good episodes there. But, yeah, episode 100, check us out there. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, But, Dean, it was was great coming on. And uh, I've been following along the new show here. It's great. And I know you have Jamie coming on later on. Jamie's been a guest on the podcast, actually. Ah, right on. Uh, So, yeah. So, he – he came on last year after the Andrew Cobb Rangers trade with Winnipeg. So right. uh, there's, there's a good connection there. Beautiful. Thank you so much, man. Uh, best of luck with it. And we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. You bet. There's Kyle Hall from the Broadway Hat Podcast. I love the rankings. Like, rankings are the best. Because you're going to piss somebody off. And, you know, that's kind of fun sometimes, especially when you're a talk show host. Tell you, man, the best shows we ever had, post-game shows, is when people did not want me on the air because I disagreed with them about the Oilers. And if you're a fan of a team, you, you're ride or die. So you disagree with the radio guy or TV guy or whatever guy it is uh, that you're talking with. All right, we have lots to still get to on the program. When we come back, we're going to get into trust or not. When it comes to fantasy, you got to trust guys. Can you trust the few guys we're going to talk about to get it done for you? That, in a little bit, we're back in a second. ready to race at great heights to become the global sim racing champion create your crypto livery enter with the best designs enter to win prizes outrace your competition winning is all that matters watch the other racers in your rear view mirror
gain massive exposure battling against the biggest names in crypto with a season-long race for the championship. Bring glory to your token. Drive like a champion, win it all. Be first or last. If you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Get behind the wheel and drive for your project. All right, so that is uh, the Ultimate Crypto Drivers Championship that we've been telling you about for a little while. VR1 Racing is a crypto-centric professional sim racing league. Uh, it's going to be a year-long entertaining platform that gives projects ongoing exposure. I mean, getting exposure is the name of the game when you're in crypto. This is a project that's going to have a lot of eyes on it and a lot of really good potential Full broadcasts on Twitch here, YouTube, Metaverse watch parties, design contests, and more. Really, really solid marketing opportunity everywhere with this project. You can get more details at uffsports.com slash VR1. Really, really excited. I mean, you look at some of those uh, those cars and the designs, uh, it's, uh, it's quite incredible. Okay, my name is Dean Millard. Thank you so much to Kyle Hall, who joined us on the show earlier. All of the show, if you missed anything, will be uploaded to YouTube uh, a little bit later on in the program. But right now, we got to get to our Dauber Hockey preview. And, and we just talked about uh, the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers a little bit. And we're doing a double shot of these teams today. It's the Islanders and the Rangers. And, and we talked about this with Kyle Hall. The Islanders, I don't think they did nearly enough in the offseason. I mean, that that is not a playoff team. I'm sorry. Obviously, you're going to get production out of Barzell and Nelson, especially Brock Nelson, if he can reach the 40-goal mark. Uh, Noah Dodson should take a step forward and, you know, likely could see softer matchups. Uh, the breakout player is Alexander Romanov, and not because he's going to get points, but because he's going to put up you know, 200-plus hits, 200 uh, blocks, things like that, that you can fill out extra categories depending on your league. And I think Oliver Wallstrom busts out. Now, this is the last chance I think Oliver Wallstrom has. I think after this, he's dealt or ends up with uh, another team. But again, I don't think this team is good enough. I don't think that goaltending is good enough. And I am, like, Dobson, if he plays on that first line, is not going to get those softer matchups. But you're not putting Ryan Pulak or Adam Pelich up there. This is not a good team. I'm sorry, Islander fans. It's going to be a long season. And did they think Johnny Gaudreau was going to just fix everything? Really? You thought Johnny Gaudreau would just waltz in and the team would be okay. Child, please. Not good. Uh, so, I don't know. What do you think of the Islanders? Uh, there's certainly some some players to draft on this team, for sure, but it stops, like, halfway through the second line. Depending on how deep you are, but not a fan of that roster. Now, this one... Much different, as we talked to Kyle about. And there are choices everywhere. Like, this is the New York Rangers are the all-you-can-eat buffet for playoff, for hockey drafts. 
Seriously, they are loaded. You have, obviously, the bread man, Panarin, who's going to be a 100-point guy, I think. Igor Shesterkin, we talked to Kyle about that. This guy is criminally underdrafted it, like as far as how high he should be going. I might take him as the first goalie, honestly. I know Vasilevsky's been good, but Andre Vasilevsky has played a lot of hockey. And so have the Tampa Bay Lightning. At some point, you're hitting a wall. At some point, unfortunately, injuries are going to happen when you play that much hockey. So I think I too, I might take Shesterkin, the first goalie off the board. Adam Fox, well, if I have to tell you about Adam Fox, I want your money. Uh, I think this is Capo Caco's breakout year, as mentioned with Kyle. If not, I think he gets dealt. And then Jacob Truba, uh, I put him in the sleeper uh, because he's another guy that is going to load up when it comes to hits. As you heard... uh, uh, Kyle said he he gets everybody upset because he hits all their stars. So he's going to have massive amount of hits. He's going to have a bunch of blocks. Like you you could be getting 200 150 out of this guy. 250 maybe. So I think the sleeper on this team is Truba, but I mean their roster is loaded with potential stars for fantasy. Like that first line, I think if Lafreniere stays on this first line, he's easily 50 points. So I think that prediction is low. You heard about Kravtsov? As I talked about Capo, but you could go Lafreniere, Capo, Capco, Philip Cheadle. You could get Dryden Hunt in there. Sammy Blaze is another guy that, that Kyle said to watch out for. I mean, there are stars in Trocek, Panarin, Kreider, Zabanajed, Fox, Shesterkin, easily. You, you're taking those guys. No, you're not even thinking about it. They're there, you're taking them. And then you get into, like, the what-ifs. I, I think, I don't know, Ryan Reese doesn't seem to be, uh, have a lot of um, cachet right now, as especially with what uh, Kyle was saying. But there are guys that you should target late in your draft. Certainly Lafreniere, probably a little bit earlier if he does stick on that line, line luck. But Capo Caco, Philip Cheadle, and Dryden Hunt are are three players that could see a big step. And Keandre Miller, as as Kyle said. So there is just um, potential galore with this New York Ranger team. And I, I'm so impressed at this really fast rebuild that the Rangers had. I, I, I am vastly impressed. And, you know, they also went through the change in management and coaching when they lashed out at the NHL. So this has been done very impressive by the New York Rangers. And like Kyle said, they're number one in the New York area. Maybe they're number one in the division. And then New Jersey and uh, the Islanders uh, fighting for number three, the number three spot. All right, uh, Jamie Thomas is going to be joining me on the program. We still have a ton of stuff to talk about. But when we come back, to trust or not, a fun little segment 
we will have, and then we'll get into a whole bunch more news when it comes to the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, as you get set for the playoffs in UFLB or you're in your final week of the season. I'm sure most leagues are over. We'll get into all of that when we come back. And uh, as mentioned, still to come, Jamie Thomas from Jets Radio will join me very shortly. Back in about uh, 35 seconds with To Trust or Not. Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Thank you so much for sticking around uh, on the program. Kyle Hall from the Broadway Hat Podcast joined me earlier on the show. If you missed that, it'll be up on uh, our YouTube channel and out in audio format a little bit later on uh, today as well. Okay, before we get into uh, some of the other news and notes uh, from this past weekend, something uh, new, uh, hopefully fun. Uh, that we are going to do on the show. And uh, it's all about trust in fantasy football. I mean, if you can't trust your players, then what good are they? So we present to you this fun segment, To Trust or Not. Trust me, please. Can you trust? No one. Oh, don't take it seriously. Is it safe? Sure. Do you trust me? Don't trust him. Trust me. Trust me. You're the only one I can trust. All right, so when to trust or not, uh, you're looking at repeatability. You are looking at the potential or the, the history what is repeatable, and how can it be done? So I'm going to throw out two guys today, whether you can trust them or not the rest of the way. And one is going to be very short, and the one is the rest of the season. The first guy is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, as I'll show you in a little bit, has not had a good season. 
but I still think you can trust. He showed last night that as long as he has Mike Evans, you can trust Tom Brady. He didn't have Mike Evans, or or if he's playing the Saints, then don't trust Tom Brady. But he didn't have Tom uh, Mike Evans last week, and he wasn't very good. Gets him back this week, two touchdowns. So I think you can trust Tom Brady. What do you think? Are you trusting Tom Brady this season? Is Brady back for you this season? It's a, it's a big question to ask. It, it you, you think you wouldn't, but Tom Brady has not been Tom Brady this year. Take a look at these numbers. 212 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, and only 12 points in week one. And then there's that Saints game where we told you not to play him. 170 yards, one touchdown, 11 points. Little bit better even though he didn't have Mike Evans last week, in week three, rather, against the, the Packers. 270 yards, one touchdown, 16 points. But, listen, if you're drafting Tom Brady, you're expecting more than 16 points as a season high. And then what happens last night? He busts out for 385, three touchdowns, no picks, and 31 points. 31 fantasy points from Tom Brady. So that's why Tom is trusted. Because he proved as long as he's going to have Mike Evans, he can be trusted. For right now, this is I, I still think Tom Brady doesn't finish as a top five quarterback next, this year. I still think, and I said it with Andy McNamara in week one, Tom Brady finishes outside the top five when it comes to quarterbacks. All right. The other guy I'm asking if you can trust, is Aaron Judge. And obviously not in fantasy, but in does he get 62? Four games remaining for the Yankees. I think it's four games. Maybe it's only three now. Actually, I should uh, check that. Uh, the, The season does continue. It wraps up on Wednesday. Uh, but I thought it was four games uh, for the Yankees left over. They start a series in Texas tonight. And maybe it's just a three-game series. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's three games remaining. So that uh, graphic, has he has even less. All the games end early on uh, Wednesday, by the way. So with three games remaining, do you trust Aaron Judge... To get 61. To get 62, rather. It's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. So, do you think Aaron Judge gets 62? Do you trust Aaron Judge? Negative. I do not think Aaron Judge, I think the pressure is getting to him. Texas should pitch him properly so he can, but I'm going to say no. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. And I hope Aaron Judge gets 62 or 65 or whatever. And I love. I said he was going to get at least 65. I'd love to see that. Now, I don't trust Judge to get it done in the next few. Again, 
I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it happening. I really hope I'm wrong. I hope this is one of those reverse jinx where I, I make sure that he gets it done. Speaking of Major League Baseball, uh, the playoffs start this week. And if things stay the same right now, this is what your playoff matchups look like. This, is, this looks fun. I mean, sign me up for this. This looks fun. What matchup really excites you? That's like, take your pick. There's so many. I think the Jays-Seattle matchup, whether it was in Seattle or Toronto, would have been crazy awesome. And it will be crazy awesome. But it looks like it's going to be in Toronto. If it's in Seattle, do Jays fans flood that again? I think the the Phillies are going to lose to the Cardinals. I think the the Mets and the Padres is the most intriguing first wild card matchup because the Mets have these great pitchers and so do the Padres, but they only get to use them one each in this series. And then one of these teams pitching staff is done after this. And if Scherzer and DeGrom are gone, uh, like after one, like that's going to be a massive collapse, as, as Kyle talked about. Lots of talk in the, in the uh, New York area about the Mets collapse. Ultimately, I would like to see a New York-LA. Dodgers, Yankees, there's a great, um, I think it's a 30 for 30, but a great documentary about the uh, 78 to, to 80 uh, 77 to 79 uh, situation with the Yankees Dodgers. Great three series. Reggie Jackson was just ultra, ultra human. But I also wouldn't be disappointed to see the Dodgers beat the Houston Astros in the World Series. What playoff matchup do you want to see? It's something we're going to ask Jamie Thomas. We're going to ask him for two playoff matchups he wants to see when he joins us in about seven, uh, eight minutes time. But the baseball playoff picture obviously could change. You know, there's there are still games to be played. As I mentioned, the, the Yankees open up a series with the Rangers. Uh, but it's mostly for wildcard seeding right now. And I don't even know if it's going to be... Yeah, I think the Jays are hosting. I think that's already done. So Jays hosting Seattle, Tampa will take on Cleveland. That'll be interesting to watch for sure. So still obviously some things to be decided. Uh, Atlanta has the division. Uh, The Mets, San Diego, and Philly. Milwaukee still has an opportunity to get in, but uh, they need everything. Their uh, magic number is two. So any combination of a Philadelphia win and a Milwaukee loss, and Philly has clinched that final playoff spot. But there are still things to get excited about. I mean, there is this guy, and Albert Pujols' chase for seven whatever. You know, we all we had a poll question that we asked people, what's going to happen first? Is it going to be Judge or Pujols? And Pujols got there first. Judge still hasn't got to 62 Pujols is still adding, and there's a good chance he is going to keep adding. 
He's passed A-Rod. He's not going to pass Babe Ruth. But Albert Pujols did something very, very cool. And there was something really cool with Pujols and Serena Williams a couple of weeks ago and and Bichette, Guerrero, and uh, Biggio. And now Pujols has some more symmetry. And, And don't tell me somebody's not pulling some strings somewhere to make this happen because... He homered in his first at-bat at Bush Stadium on April 9th, 2001, and homered in his last regular season at-bat at Bush Stadium on Sunday. Wow. Amazing. He's still on fire. Since the All-Star break, this guy has been clutch. Interesting that he only hit two in the first 10 games after the All-Star break and then really heated up. So 11 of his 22 home runs, half of his home runs have come in the last 41 games. Pools might end up being a playoff MVP. Playoffs? He has hit the most home runs this year against Pittsburgh. Six of his 22. And the Cardinals wrap things up against Pittsburgh this week. That's It's lining up pretty awesome for Major League Baseball. It really, really is. Uh, obviously, if you missed it over the weekend, Shohei Otani avoids arbitration. $30 million for next year. One-year deal. He is going to be a free agent still after the 2023 season. Unless he gets signed. Now, two records. $30 million, the largest salary ever for an MLB player in his arbitration year. And the increase over his this salary this year of $5.5 million is the largest ever for a player in his arbitration year. It's a 545% raise. He's the MVP for a lot of people. And they say, well, what's Judge's pitching record? And then that's what settles it for a lot of people. The Braves signed Charlie Morton to a one-year deal. He'll turn 39 in November. He totally reminds me of the guy from Major League, the old uh, religious pitcher. But he was a tick below league average this season because he gave up a few more home runs and gave up a few more walks, but they still like him, obviously. $20 $20 million in 2023 for his age 40 season. Sandy Alcantara will not pitch against the Braves this week for the Marlins. Uh, he threw a career high and a major league leading 228 and two-thirds innings this year. Uh, but his turn in the rotation finds on the final day. And outgoing Marlins manager John Mattingly said that he won't pitch again this season. Big, big workload. Now, the Braves and the Mets might be saying, hey, uh, what's going on? But the sweep of uh, the Mets gave the Braves the tiebreaker, so it doesn't really matter. The Braves will probably clinch the division before Wednesday anyway. The Mariners, uh, they're getting ready to activate Julio Rodriguez today. Uh, they snapped the longest playoff drought in North American team sports on Friday, clinching a roster or playoff spot. And they're hoping that uh, Rodriguez is good to go. It's the first day he can return from the 10-J, 10-day IL list. Uh, he had a lower back strain. Uh, they got Eugenio, uh, Eugenio Suarez back from the IL last Tuesday. And if nobody else gets hurt, they'll be full strength heading into the season. Blue Jays looking for Santiago Espinal to take live batting practice tomorrow. Could be activated. And Spencer Strider. This is huge. Oblique strain has yet to resume throwing. Uh, so some injury news and notes there. Uh, the NHL uh, injury situation is not that great either. 
Uh, Cam Talbot out five to seven weeks with a lower body injury. That hurts. The Senators just acquired him. All the Kraken goalies have been really good, so that's why Ottawa claimed Magnus Helberg from Seattle. Taylor Hall week to week. Trevor Zegras back skating. Fabian Lysella's day-to-day could play Wednesday for the Bruins. Logan Brown is day-to-day for the Blues, and James Neal and Thomas Hickey have been released uh, from their PTOs. Uh, by the way, Calgary claimed Redeem Zahorna from Pittsburgh off waivers. Arizona claimed Jonas Johansson off waivers as NHL teams continue to send them through, and the Pens are apparently shopping Pierre uh, Oliver Joseph on the blue line. So there's a bit of a wrap on some uh, injury news uh, that you need to know about for your fantasy season, for your fantasy drafts. When we come back, our good friend Jamie Thomas is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the NFL weekend, Major League Baseball playoffs, and more. We're back in two seconds. After 5.21 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, of course, uh, the Monday Nighter tonight has the 49ers and the Rams. Uh, We told you about some uh, bets for tonight. We'll drop back into those a little bit later on. But it is time now to uh, bring in our Monday staple. He joins us uh, every Monday to recap what happened on the weekend. uh, Mr. Jamie Thomas from Jets Radio. How are you, my man? Uh, Good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm I. Josh Jacobs uh, got uh, off the schneid over the weekend. I had a massive comeback in our fantasy football league. Like, dude, I was down 19 going into that Sunday mm-hmm. night game in a touchdown only league with two guys, and they both got two touchdowns. So, and it was over by halftime. So my night was perfect. Yeah, you can sit back and relax at that point. I I uh, one of my half PPR leagues. I finally won. And then in our league, I won too as yeah, well. So because of uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Evans got me a touch. No, no, sorry, Mike Evans is another league. Never mind. It's somebody. Somebody Mike got me Evans a touchdown got last me night. Two that touchdowns. Home. That's Mike right. I was stealing. Touchdowns. Well, was he on your roster? Or was he on my roster? Is a question you have to ask yourself. Well, it's two different sure. leagues, so it's uh, both <laughs> rosters, right? Like that's we're, we're yes, sharing. that's right. No, yes. well, I, I could have taken Mike Evans off your roster and put him on my roster because <laughs> I have Mister Power. You, so you could have. Yeah, you may have had a. But anyways, congratulations on a big win as a defending champion. It's very difficult to repeat in fantasy football, so I wish you all the best. Yeah, and we can't have Cliff Harris is. being the only guy in our league to repeat. Can't no. have that. It's not fair. It's no. not fair to anybody, no. uh, mostly no. probably people in Cliff's family who will have to listen to <laughs> Cliff uh, talk about all that stuff. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about three things that you learned in the NFL, and I had a little fun with it. Uh, the <laughs> dude loves the Eagles. Yep. Uh, usually the dude yeah. in the Big Lebowski hates the Eagles, but you love the Eagles as the dude. I do. And uh, on Andy's fantasy show yesterday, I sent put a, a shot of uh, the weather at uh, Lincoln Field <laughs> in Philadelphia, and it, it was not good. So, I mean, I, I know the field was covered for the most part, but uh, and it, it looked pretty good uh, when, you, when you watch the game. But for them to fall behind by 14 uh, and then come back, you know, they didn't score to the second quarter. You're wondering maybe are they going to lose this Jacksonville team that's kind of the upstarts. And uh, Jalen Hurts now up to four rushing touchdowns in the year. Jags were the number one rushing defense in the NFL. I know it was only after three weeks, but still it's something. Philadelphia put up 210 yards on them on the ground, and the Jags only had one turnover heading into week four against Philadelphia, and Philadelphia forced five turnovers. So, And two of those were fumbles by Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, I know it's four weeks, but the fact that you fall behind by 14 on your home turf, fight back, and win a big game against uh, Jacksonville, who I think has uh, some respect for a lot of people across the league right now. It's a big win. They're 4-0. And uh, something something to watch because Philadelphia is not boring by any stretch of the imagination. They, if they want to run the football, they'll run the football, and uh, they have a pretty damn good defense as well. Because I had acquired Trevor Lawrence before the game, like right before the game. I'm like, I'm not starting him against the Philadelphia Eagles defense, and turns out that was the right choice to do. Um, Also, Carolina Panthers. We, it's not like we. There's always this hot shot you know, a new coach coming in from college football. And it just, for some, whatever reason, buddy, it, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's not working in Carolina. And I, I feel for Baker Mayfield because of what happened to him and how he's treated in Cleveland. And, you know, everybody loved him for about a week in, in, in Browns fans and stuff like that. And then, of course, Deshaun Watson comes on the shiny new toy and you forget about the guy. But he, and, you know, I thought he would be able to succeed a little bit in Carolina because Christian McCaffrey's there. You have a decent, you know, running game, but Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy to save his life. And look at this. Panthers have now lost their last 24 games when the opponent scores 17 or more points. Wow. So that's not, that's like, that's not even that much. No. So it's just that. So, and they're one in 26 in games like that under Matt rule. So it's just, I don't know, man. Like I just, you, you, People wonder why coaches get recycled in professional sports just because it's hard to coach professional athletes. It's just hard to put it together. It is so much more different than junior hockey or college football. It's just I don't think enough people realize that. And in the Canadian Football League, I, I tell people all the time, there's not many people that understand the Canadian game, even Amer- especially American coaches. So it's that's why we see the same coaches going in, in and around the Canadian Football League. It's just – and if, if you want to win – you kind of have to tie, if you're a general manager, you have to tie your future onto these guys that are unknown in certain situations. But, I mean, it, it, it looks like Matt Rule will be the first head coach fired in the National Football League, which is no surprise. And then Kenny Pickett, it's, it's time, man. And, it, and I, I saw a very interesting tweet, and it was pointed out that Pittsburgh had 10 days to prepare Kenny Pickett to get ready for week number four because they played Thursday Night Football and they had 10 days. So I'm not under. You know, I've never questioned Mike Tomlin too often, but it's time to give up on Mitch Trubisky. Like it's it's over, and you had this opportunity to prepare, to prepare um, 
Kenny Pickett for this situation. I know he threw a few interceptions. Two of them I don't believe were his fault, and Clay, uh, Chase Claypool should be embarrassed with the effort he put in another one. So it, it, it's – I mean, it's, that, that, that was everywhere. So it's not like that's, not like that's news for, for people. But come on. Uh, so Kenny Pickett time in Pittsburgh. I know it's easy for me to say – but when you're when your starting quarterback is Mitch Trubisky, I, I just think it's it's time to move on now. And the division is kind of still sitting there. You know, you have an opportunity to possibly make the playoffs, so why not turn things over to the kid and see what he can do and his and his tiny hands. So we'll see how that works out from there. <laughs> I, I think a lot of divisions are still up for grabs. I mean, I think there's totally. a lot to still decide this year in the NFL. There's a few yeah. unbeaten teams, or maybe even just yeah. one, but. Uh, it's really like, you know, you look at what Miami did early, you look at what the Giants are doing. I mean, there's some interesting storylines in the NFL that we sometimes don't see. I, I, and it's like there's 17 games, and I know it's like a short season. There's not that much time, but come on. Like, I, I the, the panic button, like the, the, how about Buffalo? They're down by 20, and they come back on the road yeah. and win. So it's just, it's, it's. Just be patient here. And I know there's a lot of teams, like even watching Miami lose. And that's another thing, too. Like, I'm, I'm going to get in my soapbox here, but Thursday Night Football, there's, you should not be playing four days later. That's just one of the most it's, – it's so obvious that teams should be coming off their bye week and playing on Thursday Night Football, not the, not the other way around, playing Thursday Night Football and have 10 days off. It's, but easy for me to say, I know, the, you know Amazon paid a billion dollars a year to have their games there. So, they'll, whatever it is. But, man, it, it's, it's insane. And we won't even get into the Tua thing because I'm just going to get mad. Um, every time I feel like my, the Dolphins have kind of mm-hmm. figured things out and all that stuff, that, you know, there's all the, the, the owner trying to get the coach to lose games on purpose and how the Tom Brady situation, like it just it, – like you just want to – and I, the Dolphins are not the only team that has let a player – we're not yeah. going to – I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything, but a situation like this where somebody's playing where they shouldn't be playing, especially four days later or five days later, it's um, it's not good. It's yeah. just – it's a bad look, and I saw it out there. Like, sometimes it's really hard to love the NFL when you see a guy laying on the ground the way Tua Tungabaloa was doing. And, I mean, I, you're 3-0. and Why do you have to put him out there? That's another thing, too, is you're off to a good start. It's not like you need that win. It's a Thursday night game on the road. It just doesn't make any sense. But anyways, it's yeah. it's tough to see. And I, I, you and I both know, and anybody out there that has a, has a brain, uh, you're hoping for the best for Tua because just uh, I, you just don't like to see that, and you don't like to see people put in situations where they shouldn't be. And um, I, I hope that teams have learned and the league has learned a little bit from this situation. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's talk a little baseball now. Uh, playoffs yeah. start uh, later this week. It's going to be so fun. It's just such a magical yeah. time. This is yeah. These are two matchups. Why do you want to see these two matchups uh, this year? <laughs> because I think you want, first off, as a Dodgers fan, you want revenge on the Braves. Mm-hmm. But second of all, I think this, this Braves team is better than the one that won it all last year, which is absolutely terrifying if you're anybody in baseball right now. I just think the Dodgers are in a good place. I know they're banged up and they're, they're, you know, their pitching staff isn't what it, what it was, but why not see a rematch of this? Like, why wouldn't you crave this matchup? And it, yes, you could say you want Dodgers, Yankees in the World Series, sure. but I just think these little, these little matchups, but Yankees versus the Rays, the Yankees bats against the Rays pitching, it's just, 
just little things that you want to see again. And I believe the Dodgers and Braves are building a, a big rivalry here. And if you meet again in the playoffs, like why not build on something else? And, uh, and if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. I just think these are two, if they do happen and there's a long road to go here, I just think these would be glorious, Matt. Like just, I, I will watch every night that, and during the day, obviously for this mm -hmm. to happen, but uh, Dodgers Braves, I think a little more realistic Yankees Rays. hard to say there's one step there that would see the Rays. They just got to get past, I believe it's Cleveland to get yeah. to uh, the Yankees at this point. So the, the Dodgers Braves is so interesting, obviously because of Freddie yeah. Freeman, uh, because Alex Anthopoulos, yes. like there's a lot of intertwined yeah. parts and then, you know, the, the Dodgers lose and they, they take Freddie Freeman and the Braves are right back in there saying, hey, you got to knock us off. So I, I obviously, yeah. I like to see L.A. New York because of the markets, but I wouldn't be disappointed in a World Series L.A. Houston where the Dodgers could get some revenge there as well. Ooh, that is juicy. Like that, like, I mean, that is something we would like. I know the World Series ratings, they claim are down every year. I, I just don't, I just don't know how you wouldn't watch that. That's I, yeah. we're so it's so busy. It's I just don't know how you don't watch the World Series. And I got everyone's like baseball's too slow. No, it's not. It's the World Series, man. And and it's October, and it's just and I, I realize football's going and stuff like that. But we got to stop. Baseball's still fa amazing sport, and thank goodness they've made some changes to speed things up, and they got rid of the shift. And um, but there's there's so much drama in here. And you look down, like even the Mets and Dodgers yeah. or the Padres get in there again. Like please, like any like St. Louis. Like you got Albert Pujols still going here, and it, like just, I please like this. This is like Seattle ends their their drought in the playoffs. They're getting the Blue Jays. Like there's just so many things here, Dino. That I, you like any of these matchups, you're like, okay, I'm I'm watching that for sure. Yeah. So I mean, to have both to have both New York teams in the playoffs, I'm sure MLB is just crying right now with that opportunity. Yeah, they would just like the other uh, LA team to somehow find their way into the playoffs yeah. at some point. But I love the sure the, the the Mets Padres matchup because both staffs have great pitching and it's a short series. I think Albert Pujols yeah. he might win a playoff MVP award the way he's like eleven of his twenty two home runs this year have come in the last forty one games. This guy is scorching into the yeah. postseason. So I, I think I like the National League matchups a little bit more, although that Seattle Toronto matchup is is interesting. Intriguing, but uh, like you said, yeah. it's going to be fun. And just, it's so great that there's so many extra teams in there and so many extra fan bases that get to participate. Yeah, and it makes things like I know there's those crying and about the you know the pure the purest want last, and they would go back to the just the one the four teams. But no, this is great. That there's so many. October, September was you're watching all the time because of the chase and the home runs and, and, you know, Aaron judge and Albert Pujols, but still you're, you have a whole bunch of fan bases believing their teams can get in and it's still going to be fun. So it's, as I know it's a money grab and then it, whatever it is, but it's just makes things so much more interesting yeah. um, when there's more, and there's just more opportunities for this type of thing to happen. So anything could happen. Any team's going to have a great chance at this, but it's uh, just the way they've set it up is, is pretty wise. All right, one uh, college football team that dropped the ball, and this is the yeah. story of the weak hurricane, to quote uh, Bob <laughs> yeah. Dylan's song. What's going on with Nicely Miami? You're, you're a big Miami fan, too, are you not? I am. I am. Like, I, like of course, uh, everyone would say, oh, yeah, you just jumped on the – like, I was Jimmy Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, huge fan. I love the way the Hurricanes were so cocky yeah. and, you know, the – 
the comics versus the Catholic story when the Notre Dame and Miami had a huge, you know, rivalry <laughs> there for a bit. So it, 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 they are that team that everybody loved to hate, but if you were a Hurricane fan, it was still, and then of course it ties in that I'm a Dolphins fan. I had to have something like that. But now it seemed like they were on their way back. Mario Cristobal, they brought him back as the head coach. You know, he's a great recruiter. He's brought some great players in, but they've just, they've just fallen off here, man. They were in the top 25, dropped out now. So it's, it's just disappointing. But you realize that it takes a while to rebuild a program, and we've been hearing this for so long as Hurricane fans that this is going to be the year kind of thing. They're, just, they're not quite there yet. Um, we'll, we'll see how this goes. But, man, i really like to see the Hurricanes back up there with competing with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. But uh, it will not be this year, my friend. No, no, it will not. Uh, okay, no, so no. in the NHL, uh, here are my three picks uh, for Calder candidates this year. And yeah. I, everybody has Owen Power. Um, when everybody is picking the same guy for the Rookie of the Year, it makes me nervous. So that's why I'm going with okay. William Eklund. Would you put Cole Perfetti on this list? Do you think Cole Perfetti is going to get enough ice time or is he going to be in Winnipeg? Or he's going to be in Winnipeg, but would you think, do you think Cole Perfetti is going to get enough an opportunity this year to get on this list? I, to start, yes, because what Rick Bonus has decided, uh, because Cole Perfetti clearly like of a smaller variety of player, he's put him with Blake Wheeler and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois based on the fact that you want some size to protect him Two big bodies that can get him the puck. And, by you know, if Cole Perfetti was a very good playmaker as well, is uh, good at finding two big bodies like that, there's there's some success. So if he stay well, the more than likely he's going to stay in the top six. So I think the opportunity is there. But I, I, don't, I don't argue with any of your candidates, Dino. Like, it's just there's some great players in the league. And seeing William Eklund earlier last year mm-hmm. in San Jose, yeah, he he's 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 pretty special. So I could see why you have like Owen Power is like the obvious choice in some ways. It's like, yeah. I, I get why you drop him, but I've seen a little bit of William Eklund could see why you would put him and rank him so high because he he again he's a special player. And Kent Johnson, need need we say more? Another special player from the University of Michigan. So it's just um, those are those are three very. But I would slide because of my bias, my recency bias, and how the guy I see every day. I would slide Cole Perfetti in number three there in Cold Calder candidates. Yeah, it, just because be the fun. opportunity is being given early. Oh. It, it, and that, that, th- that's what we want. That's what you just don't want these give these debt like easy people to hand the trophy over to every year. You just want this up and down. I, I want I want competition for these individual awards because then it just makes it more fun to sell the game. It's all about selling the game. Mm-hmm. So on a Tuesday night when Buffalo's in town in freezing cold Winnipeg in January, I don't even know if that's actually the date. I'm just making that up. But hey, let, watch Owen Power when he comes to town tonight. That's, that's right. You know what? That that's that's the best way to sell a game. So um, it, it's always tough to get people to come out when it's cold out. But why not watch Owen Power? Oh, San Jose is in town. Let's see this new kid, this whiz kid, William Eklund. Right. That's just the way it is. You have to do it. And the more young stars there are in the league, the better it is for the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, and 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 I I totally I think it's. Uh, not every situation is equal. I mean, Dylan Holloway is not going to no. get the opportunity in Edmonton because there's too many guys ahead of them. So when you're looking at Calder candidates, you have to look at who's going to get the most opportunity. And I, I didn't put Mason McTavish on there because I think Kent Johnson gets easier matchups in Columbus than than uh, yeah. McTavish is going to get in, in a young uh, Anaheim team. So it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, okay, I got to wrap up with this. 
Uh, big weekend yeah. in Winnipeg. Uh, big statue unveiling of, um, you know, for for my generation, he was the man, Dale Howard Chuck. Uh, I am guessing it was a pretty emotional time in Winnipeg to unveil that statue. Yeah, it was, and you know, Scott Arneal was a teammate of Dale's. Um, now uh, Scott O'Neill is an associate coach for the Winnipeg Jets. Like he was, and Paul Edmonds, my broadcast partner, put it best. He's kind of like the conduit for Dale Howard, Chuck. Like during the, after Dale had passed, a lot of people went to Scott O'Neill to ask him about it. And we had him on the podcast, which is Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, which you can download anytime you want. I'll throw it on your show here. Um, he said the mourning period is over, and now it's like to celebrate. And I, I found that was very profound because – yeah, I'm, it's not like they're not sad that he's passed away, but now it's like this was an opportunity to celebrate what he was. Um, and it's of all the knocks that Winnipeg gets all the time, I don't think, you know, people here know this, but Dale Howardcheck made this his home. He married a Winnipeg girl. Um, he was seen out and about. He was just a, a person, of the, a guy of the people, right? And when I moved here in 1718, that's when they're kind of really start. I was here for the D- Dale Howardchuck being uh, joining the Jets uh, Hall of Fame. You know, I got to talk to him a couple of times, and you just realize how humble he is, right? And that's the other part. Uh, you're sitting across the one part of our game, one part of what you and I do, and what our our peers do. The young kids are great to watch, but you and I, growing up watching these guys, that's the best part. Like w- seeing Wayne Gretzky walk by is still, yeah. I still love it. Like you know what I mean? I can't get enough of that. I can't get enough of seeing Tony Esposito. That that you know, I was in Chicago and they had just reunited with all and made all the Stan Makitas and stuff like of the world. Like I'm just there going, oh my god, that guy. My dad loved that guy. So it's just anything that has connection to you and your family watching games growing up. That's the best part about what we do. So the fact that Dale Howarchuk was sitting there talking, I'm like, sure, my parents and I didn't really like him as I grew up as a Calgary Flames fan. Um, but you sure you were terrified of him when he was on the ice. Uh, it, it made for emotional matchups, but it didn't mean you didn't appreciate how good he was. And mm-hmm. all the time, like we just like if it wasn't for Gretzky and Lemieux, how where would maybe Dale Howarchuk gets talked about a little bit more? That's that that simple, and and we found out that there's a photo of Gretzky and Dale Howardchuk at Rogers Place in Edmonton. It's the only photo of a non-Oiler in the building. Apparently, I think it's in the dressing room, is wow. what I was told. So, I think Mark Chipman brought that up um, during the ceremony on, on Saturday. So I find that fascinating, and remember, like when they decided to do the alumni game, Dale Howardchuk, you know like Wayne Gretzky made sure that Dale Howard was taking part of it. So it was just, it's the coolest thing. And then the, the face off the photos of Gretzky and during the heritage classic, like, come on, that was the game between Montreal and Edmonton was special because in Edmonton yeah. was the first outdoor game, but this was Winnipeg and Edmonton. And those two had battled so hard in the playoffs in the eighties. So that I, to me, that was one of the best alumni games like Timo Solani it goes I can go down the list of all the great players around the ice I don't have to, we don't have to talk to Edmonton people about who the Oilers were and stuff like that but and Paul Coffey was here and yeah. he talked about how much he appreciated playing with them it's just it's it's nuts it is nuts when these things come up you start to appreciate you not that I didn't you appreciate the game more yeah. because of how special it is to the great players still to this day when they talk about those times this is one of my most cherished uh, artifacts. It's a Dale Howarchuk uh, autograph, um, and you can actually tell it's Dale Howarchuk's handwriting. You can read it. Yeah, 
You can yeah. actually read Unlike the, Dale Howard Chuck's name. The 10 helps. The 10 helps. Yeah, and and 10 you did helps, tell me yeah. it was Dale Howard Chuck's autograph. <laughs> but um, it, it, of course it's cherished because this, another thing living here, buddy, like again, you let, I was in Calgary growing up outside in Cochrane. I, you di I didn't like the Jets, but living here, I realized how important they were and yeah, how hard it was right. for everybody when they left. So now that you've, they've brought 1.0 and 2.0 together, you appreciate them even more. And Dale Howarchuk was special. And from the more stories I hear about him, another cool story before I go, Dino, I don't want to take up all your time, is that uh, Mark Chipman and Craig Heisinger, who was the assistant general manager of, of the Jets, they phoned Dale right before he had passed away to let him know that they were building a statue in his honor outside of the building. And, you know, Dale got emotional and, you know, everybody was emotional. And, you know, those just, those cool moments and I'm so glad and thrilled, and I know they are, but they were able to tell Dale before he passed away that this was happening because uh, it, how much he means to Winnipeg and how much Winnipeg meant to him. So it was, it was a great weekend. It's too bad it wasn't a regular season game, but the timing was perfect for the family and everything. So that's how it worked out. So, but uh, it, it was special. It was a special night. Now everybody that comes to a regular season game will get to walk past that uh, glorious statue and, and realize how I expect you to take a photo in front of that, buddy. When you get into Winnipeg, I want to see the photo of you and Trish in front of that. I'll take can't, it. Can't wait. I can't wait for that, my man. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the Monday nighter. Who do you like, uh, 49ers, Rams? Uh, I'll go with the Rams, but I don't think it's going to be – I think it's going to be ugly. Just I just don't think the scoring is going to be very good. But yeah. we'll watch it anyways because we love football. We do. Thanks as always, my man. We'll talk soon. Okay, buddy. Take okay. care. There's Jamie Thomas from Jets radio uh and of course he's the executive director of our twitch channel um dale howarchuk like listen i'm gonna be really manitoban here but dale howarchuk is one of the most important athletes to have played in winnipeg that's it that's simple that's it you know in manitoba not the biggest province i know that he's not from there but he had a major impact, and uh, great to see that statue in Winnipeg and his legacy being celebrated. All right, last segment of the show is coming up next. We're going to wrap up, uh, get back to some of the things we chatted about earlier in the show, and give you a few news and notes that we haven't yet. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We're back in just a second. <laughs> segment of the show uh we'll get back into a couple of things uh that we were chatting about earlier but uh do you want to bring this up uh some nhl news and notes uh we were 
going through it really quickly uh, before we brought Jamie on. Uh, but Cam Talbot is the big one. Uh, a lot of upper bodies on this list because the NHL uh, is not very forthcoming with their injuries. But the big one is Cam Talbot. Five to seven weeks with an upper body injury. So that's why Ottawa claimed Magnus Helberg from Seattle. Uh, the Flames claimed Redeem Zahorna. Uh, from Cal for Pittsburgh and Arizona claimed Jonas Johansson from waivers off Florida. Everybody else cleared as far as I know. Um, it's interesting. Helberg, every Kraken goalie has looked good in this preseason. So I don't know if Ottawa, it, if it's a style that, that Seattle is playing differently and that's why their goaltenders are looking good. But it's a good, good gamble for the Senators because they need a guy. Um, they could have just went and knocked on Buffalo's door. They got enough goalies. Taylor Hall is week to week with, you guessed it, upper body injury. Trevor Zegras also has an upper body. He's day to day and is skating. So that's good news. Don't be afraid to draft this guy. Doesn't look like he's going to miss a lot, if any, regular season time. Fabian Lysel could be playing on Wednesday. Uh, the Bruin youngster has an upper body injury, so he's day-to-day. Logan Brown has an upper body injury. He's also day-to-day for the St. Louis Blues. And James Neal and Thomas Hickey have been released from their PTOs uh, out of Columbus and New Jersey, uh, respectively. So little uh, NHL news and notes on this Monday. I'm sure there's uh, lots of stuff that's been happening uh, since we've been on the air, and I... Uh, wasn't able to uh, to check everything, but uh, a very busy Monday, as usual in the NHL. Uh, teams trying to sneak people down to the minors uh, and things like that uh, through waivers, uh, as it always happens. All right, let's uh, circle back to our question of the day. We start every show with the question of the day, and that is, what is the best lineup decision you have made this year in fantasy football? Best lineup decision for your fantasy football team. Like, this is your chance to brag. You know, everybody says nobody cares about your fantasy football team. I want to know right now about your fantasy football team. What is the best lineup decision you have made this year? Me, it was easily starting Josh Jacobs yesterday and benching uh, Javante Williams, who is now out for the season with an ACL injury. So that's my best lineup decision. I would love to hear uh, what yours is. And we talked about this with Jamie. Who are your Calder candidates uh, for the NHL this year? William Eklund of San Jose, Owen Power of the Buffalo Sabres, and Ken Johnson of the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's who I'm going with, but I'm sure you have a different set of top three. Throughout some Monday Night Football prop bets, Uh, I don't think Tyler Higby, I don't think he covers, but everything else I think happens. And if you want to make a bet, the best place to do it is at BetUSA. Head to at DuckMillard on Twitter, click the link in my bio, and get your 125% bonus on sports betting. Bet on the big game tonight. Prop bets that we were talking about. Here are some of them again. Jimmy G over 221 and a half passing yards. I say he covers. Cooper Cup 94 and a half receiving yards. I say he covers. 
Jeff Wilson, 55 and a half rushing yards. Cover! Tyler Higby, no cover on 41 and a half receiving yards. And I'm going the double cover for Cam Akers. This is where the Rams figure out how they won the Super Bowl and they start running the ball again. He's going to cover the 41 and a half rushing yards and the six and a half receiving yards. So take that to bet US and get 125% bonus when you make your deposit. Use the link in my bio at Duck Millard. As for week four, well, these guys ended up in the mass unit. Javante Williams, as we said, out for the season with an ACL, also has some other damage. They're not even sure he's going to be ready for week one next year. So that is crushing. I, I do have him in one of my drafts, and I was looking forward to running back depth which I'll have to find a little bit more of. Jonathan Taylor might play Thursday. He does have an ankle injury, but there's a chance he could play. That is very good news. Tua is out. He has a concussion. He will not play uh, this week. Uh, Traylon Burks, turf toe, had to be carried off the field. He's going to miss some time. We don't know how much yet. Uh, I haven't seen it announced. And Daniel Jones, day-to-day, weird. He came back in after he was injured because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And they used Saquon Barkley quite a bit, not quite a bit, but a few times in the Wildcat. Uh, So Jones is day-to-day. So is Justice Hill, uh, the running back for the, uh, the Ravens. They think he might be able to play this week. But the guy who I thought was absolutely... Dino-mite this week was a member of the Raider Nation. Dino-mite! JJ explodes for 144 yards, two touchdowns, and he was hauling guys with him. I mean, dragging his jersey, he was pulling guys, he was pushing the pile, he gets to the end zone twice. Massive week for Josh Jacobs of the Vegas Raiders. The big talk this season was Devontae Adams. That has not been the big story. The big story has been the Raiders struggling, but 34 points in fantasy from Josh Jacobs helped them win the game and helped fantasy owners get the victory. Dynamite! And then there's a guy like Tom Brady. Look at Brady in the first three weeks. Very below average. But he was back in a big way last night. Mike Evans with two of those three touchdowns. 31 fantasy points for Tom Brady. So do you trust Tom Brady the rest of the way as a quarterback to start in fantasy football? I said earlier this year, Tom Brady does not end up a top five quarterback this year. Week four, yeah, he's in the top five. Weeks one to three, not a chance. And in the baseball story, everybody wondering, three games remaining, that should say, will Aaron Judge hit number 62? Is it going to happen? Is Aaron Judge going to get 62 in the final three games versus the Texas Rangers? I say no. I don't think Aaron Judge is going to get 62, and I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But it just it just seems like he is really 
struggling and holding that bat a lot tighter when it comes to home runs doing everything else to carry that team all right that is gonna wrap up another show for us big thanks to kyle hall from the broadway hat podcast joined us revealed his ufhl power rankings very cool also, some teams will be very upset. And Jamie Thomas, of course, of Jets Radio, the executive director of our Twitch channel, uh, dropped by to talk about uh, football, baseball, and hockey. The trifecta right now. Don't forget, basketball will be playing, but basketball is getting lost in the dust in Canada right now uh, because so much hockey and a lot of football and baseball talk, the Jays being in the playoffs. That's it for me. We're back again tomorrow. Eric Grossman will join us once again. Every Tuesday, Eric is going to join us on the show. So really looking forward to chatting baseball with him again tomorrow, and we'll see what else we can drag and who else we can drag on the show thank you so much have yourself a great evening enjoy monday night football or whatever else you are watching we'll see you tomorrow 4 p.m eastern right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports thanks now bye-bye bye-bye bye-bye